0: Welcome in, everybody, to the How Not To Be A Youth Pastor podcast. Your two favorite youth pastors, Kyle and Derek, back for another episode. Season 2, episode 2,
1: recording at 2.22. Well, 3.51, but you're close. Close. Uh, You're really, really close. That would have been cool if it was the case. Do you want to wait and record this episode tomorrow? (laughs) I think we should. It's the (laughs) integrity of the show. Or... Uh it,
0: it could be two twenty two AM. Like we could wait until like two o'clock in the morning or tonight. We
1: pause our season and record it on February twenty second. Oh my goodness.
0: No, we're not doing no. that. Uh we are excited uh to be back for another episode though with all of our loyal listeners. Uh I I don't I mentioned that we're their two favorite youth pastors. I, I at least hope we're in like their top five. Yeah. Uh we don't necessarily have to be numbers one and two. We'd love to be. But if we're not, at least in the top five would be nice. Or at
1: least be one of their keepers, you know, in the fantasy yeah. football. Uh,
0: you know what? Here, we're going to settle for their top eight on MySpace. Perfect. If, if they have a top eight for youth pastors, we should be in there somewhere.
1: Our quick question of the day should have been, what was the song you had queued up in your MySpace? I, I think the song, or I
0: think the question should have been, did you have a MySpace? Did you have a MySpace? I did not. What? Sorry. Really? Dude, I feel I kind of feel like I need to like go create one now just to oh, say that it, I have it, one? It
1: was it was the bee's knees for sure. I'm sorry, you obviously had one. I did, and I had songs queued up. Like I had the cool font. I'm let sorry. me let me ask you this: Did you ever have um, AIM AOL Instant Messenger? Uh no, I did not. Oh my gosh, what did you
0: do? This is ironic. I'm actually older than you are, and yeah. I didn't have all these things. I went and played outside, Derek, with sticks and dirt. Why'd you do that? Because it's awesome.
1: Let me ask you this. Did you ever Probably play Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> backyard football or baseball on the computer? Oh, 100%. Dude, okay, good. I had
0: I had backyard baseball on uh my Game Boy and Advance. Who was the
1: best player Pablo. on? Okay. Pablo thank you.
0: is the best. Pablo There's no Sanchez. debate. Pablo
1: Sanchez, baby. He is the goat. You know what? Goat. I I might go as Pablo Sanchez for Halloween this oh, year. Oh, that'd
0: be awesome. That would be so sweet. That'd be just the greatest, yeah. Pablo's the best. We all love Pablo. Uh, but enough about Pablo. Uh, that was not actually our quick question of the day. It should have been though. Should have been. Uh, quick question, Derek. How long have you been in youth ministry, and what has been your biggest takeaway or lesson? Not one of the biggest. The literal biggest takeaway and or
1: lesson. I don't, know, ministry, I don't know what the
0: difference between a takeaway and a lesson is. There but. there there's a big difference. Okay. So enlighten
1: me. Five years I have been in youth ministry. Man, you're old. Biggest takeaway. You will never ever, and I mean ever, get the perfect amount of pizza for an event. <laughs> Disagree. You will either have too much left over or your kids will walk around like they've never eaten in ten days. That's really cute, but you're wrong really I
0: have this is gonna shock no one of course I have a formula okay you ready for this yeah
1: why so why we have been friends for how long and you've never shared this with me
0: yeah that's true um, so you're gonna start with uh, y- y- the the key pieces of information you need to know are roughly how many guys okay and how many girls yep you have coming to your event. I'll take the number of girls times, eh, depending on it, it depends on it, but probably about number of girls times 1.6, 1.7. Okay. And the number of guys times 1.0, or sorry, times 2.3, 2.2, 2.3. All right. Add those together and then you're going to multiply it by I'll like write this out and put it in the show notes or something. I've already There's lost it. There's no way this is
1: legitimate. No, this
0: is legitimate. So that because guys are gonna eat more than girls. So for your guys You went
1: point one seven and two point three? One 2.3. yeah. Oh one point seven. No, no, yeah. So basically you're I, I heard point one seven. Oh, so no. like <laughs> like you're saying the girls are gonna no, eat no, like no. a fifth of the pizza and the boys are gonna eat two and a half. I was like, What? No, no, in no. The world? The, we're
0: we're talking slices. Okay. Uh, yep. assuming eight slices of pizza, yep. uh, you know, on a pizza, you're talking, uh, guys are going to eat about 2.3 slices, girls okay. about 1.7 slices. Okay. Uh, you can feel free to adjust those numbers on the front end if your students are a little bit younger or a little bit older, Naturally. uh, you know, also depending on what you just did. Uh, you know, what the setting is. If they, if you know they're coming very hungry, sure. you know, like this is on a mission trip and you just got, got done with a full day's work. Yep. Maybe you want to bump those numbers up a little bit. Sure. Uh, but that's, that's roughly the formula 1. that you're rocking 7
1: with. and 2.3. That makes a lot more sense than 0. 0.17. Yeah, no, that's
0: ridiculous. But I like it. yeah, you'll usually be uh, usually be pretty accurate. Well, thanks for nothing. Now
1: that I'm not a youth pastor, it doesn't matter.
0: It's <laughs> <laughs> okay. Any uh, time, anytime. anytime. Uh, and just so you know, no, it is not translatable to kids ministry or adult ministry deal. Uh, I've dialed it in specifically for youth ministry. Um, but there's gonna be a lot of I hope that saves the youth pastors a lot of money. Um, although, how many youth pastors have gotten like free leftovers because they ordered too much pizza for an event. So that's the problem. And Maybe, maybe it's I'm, on I'm purpose burnt out on pizza now. Oh, well that's why you became a senior pastor. Not because God called you to it, but it's because fair. you were just tired of eating pizza. It's fair. Um, <laughs> no, uh, so I've been in youth ministry for six years, uh, youth pastor for six years. And, um, my biggest, I should have probably thought about this before. Literally right now. Uh, my biggest takeaway or lesson um, maybe it's my pizza formula. I mean, that's I don't a pretty know. good one. That's uh, I like to think so. Um, no, I'm going to go with, uh, and, and this is not something that's original to me, but, uh, I, I had somebody tell me, I've got two that I'll share. I, first one, I had somebody tell me once that, uh, as, as a youth pastor, as a youth leader, it's important to show up physically, mentally, and randomly in students' lives. Hmm. Uh, And and that was really, really good. Uh, I mean, showing up physically, like if you're only at 25% of the Wednesday nights, then it's hard to build a relationship with students. Showing up mentally, like when you're there, you actually have to be there and not distracted. And then showing up randomly is, you know, going to their sporting event, texting them, saying, hey, I'm praying for you today. Yep. You know, things like that. I like that. Um, So that was really good. Uh, The other thing that... uh, you know is my biggest takeaway or lesson and this is this is probably number 1 is uh continued growth is really really important uh i i think that if you're going to be talking about like height right like, yes okay uh you know Pablo Sanchez did not <laughs> learn this lesson <laughs> okay. um but it's um i i think that if you are going to be in ministry uh of any kind finding ways to continually grow yep. uh, and seeking after that is something that's key. You'll hear professional athletes talk about how much they love practice and they love the grind of practice. And cause everybody, when you're that great, everybody loves the games right. because you're better than everybody else. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, yeah, the ga- I'd, the games would be fun for me too if I could score like LeBron James. Yeah. But it's the practice that, that you fall in love with. And in mini- and, and you'll see them retire when the practice is no longer fun for them. And I think that you know, youth ministry is not well, most of youth ministry is not about dunking on your students. Uh, there, there needs it's to be a little place. there needs to be a little bit of that. But I think that when it comes to the practice for us is that continued growth. Yeah. If if you love learning then you're going to be longer in youth ministry than if you refuse to do it.
1: I like how I literally came out with a pizza thing and you just dropped like two just bombs of wisdom, which I very much appreciate. So thank you for that. Well, most people don't know that we started this podcast just so that I could show you up. I mean, it works. Yeah, for Um. sure. That's how we're friends. Oh boy. Just don't, here's what I need you to do, Derek. I don't know if I want to hear
0: this. Don't I, what I don't need from you is to grab that audio clip where I just said this podcast exists for me to show you up. Yep. And then play it back at the end of the year after your fantasy team beats me
1: and finishes better than me. That's what I don't need from you. Okay. Well, few things. One, I doubt that's going to happen Two. Um, I have a different sound clip that I'm probably going to use, and it's where we bring bring on Nate and Sarah Engler with a great worship episode, and you tell them the goal of this podcast is for me to speak as little as possible. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot. Yeah, there was that one, too. Was that theirs, or was that
0: the one when we had the Christmas one with Rick and Nate? Uh, it might have been that one, too. I don't remember. It, I stand by it either way. That's but, fair. Uh, That's fair. Anyways, Derek, what are we talking about today?
1: We are talking about a lot of things that I think if you're a youth pastor that's listening to this, depending if you listen to it when it genuinely comes out, uh, you are in the grind of this season where you are preparing for your fall. Um, You know, every ministry is different, but by and large, at least up here in the northern part of the United States of America, uh, summer looks way different in youth ministry. You've got cabins, you've got camping trips, you've got... Uh, You know, graduation parties, family trips, all this stuff that's going on. Uh, You're usually taking students on mission teams and there's all this stuff going on. So by and large, youth ministry in terms of programming kind of comes to a halt. It really slows down. And so as such, as a youth pastor, at least the way we do things in our context, when you come back into the fall and you get back into a school schedule and a school rhythm, it's kind of like the universal, all right, let's get back into this thing called youth ministry. And so as such, you got big plans, you got kickoff parties, you got all these big plans, big dreams, big grandiose ideas of what this year is going to look like. And you're dreaming big, you're praying big. All of that is super, super good stuff. But today we're talking about how it's important to keep the right perspective. Uh, As we were kind of just thinking about this, you know, really something that I keep coming back to is like, we got to do our jobs, you know, like it sounds like a rudimentary idea, but we have to do our job. There's so many things in life, uh, especially in ministry life that we can't control, it's good to have goals. It's good to have all these things that like, we're chasing after. But at the end of the day, we have to remember what we're actually in control of and what we are not in control of.
0: Yeah, it's possible. Uh, not likely, but it is possible. There are actually things as a youth pastor that are out of our control. Uh, and so as we're going into the year, I think it's important to kind of center uh, ourselves center our ministries, keep the main things, the main things, keep the focus where it needs to be. Uh, and and in that it allows us to put more focus and attention where it needs to be. Yep. And equally as important, uh, draw less focus and less attention away from, you know, keep the things that we can't control yep. uh, as as minimal things right. a, that occupy our, our headspace. Right.
1: Because if you don't, you can get derailed really mm-hmm. easily. And so, you know, we want to talk about a little bit like, okay, you're a youth pastor, you're a youth leader, you are to some capacity, whether it's youth ministry, kids ministry, if you're a lead pastor listening to this, uh, there's really, no way no. that we are succinct, <laughs>
0: And on task enough that a lead pastor. No, I feel like lead pastors, youth pastors, like a, a, like you're you're a good example. A lot of youth pastors will then move on to be lead pastors. Yeah. Do Do you think that we're succinct enough for kids pastors? Like they're they're used to short attention spans,
1: so maybe they're listening. Well, they would never listen to us anyway because they would just you know, if you're a kids pastor, you can turn on like the the. what's the word I'm looking for? I don't know. You can be, I hate this word because it just sounds weird, but like you can turn on the silly, you can turn on like the, okay, I'm going to be like a kid right now. Youth pastors, we just are immature kids basically.
0: So like the youth pastors... The kids pastors can't handle being around us in long periods of time. Basically, is that what it is? Yeah.
1: Right. Because we're just immature by default.
0: Yeah. At the most, we are the background <laughs> noise in the in the kids pastors life. <laughs> Perfect. Um, we're, we're, we're shooting for the moon here. Yeah. That's what we strive for here at the How Not To Be A Youth Pastor studios. Oh, that is Can amazing. we call it that?
1: I think we should. Yeah. The Youth Pastor Studio. I
0: really need... Because... All but one episode so far. No, that's not true. Three episodes we have not recorded in my office.
1: Yep. All the rest of them. And they were all subpar. They, <laughs> it, it, it was like a secondary studio. I don't that know. Was the camp one good. was
0: pretty fun. That one was fun. Uh, but I do think that I might need like an on-air light yep. outside my door. And since uh, we're
1: incredibly off task already, let me just add this. If we're gonna have this as our studio, it's gotta be like named after something. You know, like like we're both sports guys, you know, you go to US Bank Stadium and you go all to this stuff. Maybe this is like the um so we, like the, the Webster's studio or something <laughs> like that. So we need a sponsor, is yeah. what you're
0: saying. Either There's really only two ways that you get your name on something like a stadium. Either you're a sponsor or you're rich or you're dead. Oh, that's well, okay. Let's move on because if you're rich, but if you're rich, that that's a sponsorship, right? Like you got like the, uh, um, what's the field in Cleveland? Uh, well, it's called the dog pound, but like, I think that the field in Cleveland is named after somebody, uh, somebody Brown probably, um, <laughs> I actually think. All right, I'm gonna look it up. But like, there are there are fields and and different sporting venues that are named after people. Yep. Uh, who have passed away? That would probably be. I don't. I don't know who we would like the Derek Mum. What's your middle name?
1: Yeah, I'm not gonna tell you. Oh come on! You're gonna use it against the, me. At no, some point. I was just
0: gonna say like the Derek J Mum Memorial Recording Studios.
1: Well, that was way off. Jays well, and Honey were close.
0: It's in the middle of the alphabet. It couldn't have been that far off. Uh, that That's fair. That's Derek, very fair. What is
1: it? Like Derek Zander or Derek Aaron? Zander would be sweet. Derek Zion. Derek Zion mum. No, my parents didn't grow up going to church. They would never name me Zion. Uh, Zion is a very churchy do word. Do you think that uh, Zion Williamson's parents grew up going to church? I hope so. That'd be sweet. Yeah. What what were we talking about? (laughs) I I really, when we listen back to this, I'm going to time from the moment that that rabbit trail took place to the moment just now. I'm going to time how long that was because that was like a significant one.
0: Uh, But Just for the record, before we get back on track. I was waiting for you. uh, Thank you. Cleveland Cleveland Browns play at First Energy Stadium. So we're going with sponsor. Okay.
1: My bad. See, you don't believe everything you hear from Kyle. 98% of it's true. You got to discern what the other 2% is. What we were talking about, Kyle, is, okay, you are in a ministry capacity. That's where we got derailed. Is if a lead, you said there's no way a lead pastor would listen to this. I did. Which, which is fair. Uh, but, okay, if you are in ministry, whether, and this goes out to if you're a youth leader, if you are, you don't even have to just be a youth pastor, but what? Lambeau Field. It's a, it's a
0: stadium named after a dead guy. Yep. I should have gotten that one. I'm, oh, I'm very man. disappointed in you. That's
1: that's disappointing. Yep. That, that was like uh, a layup that you just missed.
0: Joe Lewis Arena, which I believe is where the Detroit Red Wings play. No, uh, in, they're terrible. In Michigan. You have the Robert F. Kennedy Memorial Stadium in Washington, D.C., which is where the. I don't know who plays there. Uh, oh, it. yeah, I don't even. It's still not clear. Wikipedia. Come on. Basic Okay. I'm standing on Lambeau field though. Okay. That was, that was a decent
1: one. New podcast idea. How not to record a podcast. My <laughs> dear, Derek and Kyle go into 10 minute side tangents that no one cares about, but, That is just who we are. So, okay, I'm bringing this back in. Yep, please do. Okay, if you are in ministry to any capacity, here's the things that are your job. This is what you are being tasked with. When God calls you to do something, when you step into this place of leadership, these are the thing you can control and you should be doing. Number one, probably first and foremost, is casting vision. Like if you don't have a vision for your ministry, you are just like just leading a ship with no, no set destination. You got to be making goals. You got to be praying big prayers. You got to be doing all the things to dream big and go, what has God called me to do with this ministry in this capacity, in this context? And I would dare say like cast vision that's bigger than yourself. If you're just casting vision to things that you can do in your own power, it's not big enough. And so, casting vision, which I think a lot of us probably understand, but I think where we get lost in translation is this next one, which is to communicate that vision. Like, it's one thing to have a great vision, but if you don't communicate that to your team, to your students, to the people around you that are going to be there to uplift you and hold you accountable, it's not going to do any good. And so, if you have, you could have the best vision in the world, but if it's not communicated properly, you got problems.
0: Yeah. You just said communicating vision gets lost in translation. If you didn't do that on purpose, that was brilliant. Um, if you did do that on purpose, that was still brilliant. Uh, but it's true. The vision that you have for your ministry is, is so important. And if you can't communicate it properly and accurately, then it's a waste. Right. And so, you know, you will still probably have people there, uh, and a part of what you're doing, but the, power and the purpose behind it will be greatly lessened if you can't communicate that well and so and I think that part of that really just comes down to you know God hopefully has this grand awesome vision he has given you for this ministry you've got to find out a way to make that simple enough that yep. you can communicate it in yep. the allotted time that you have or in the few sentences that you need to you know what are the true values of for your ministry, uh, you know, for our, us in our ministry here at our church, uh, for our youth ministry, our three values are God, fellowship, and mission. Boom. Done. Simple. Yep. Uh, you know, you get bonus points if your values as a youth ministry. I'll have Co- the same letter. Well, <laughs> if it's an alliteration, yes, you obviously get bonus points. I was going to say you also get bonus points if it coincides with your church's vision oh, as a whole. Yeah. Um, but I actually like your answer better. <laughs> that, was, that was good. I didn't. I can't believe I didn't. We that should probably be in, uh, one of the job descriptions. You gotta for, be good with for people in ministry. You have to yeah. be good with alliterations. Yeah. Um. But I think another one that's really important if you're if you are in any sort of ministry, whether it's paid, unpaid, what you're a volunteer, adult volunteer, whatever. You, you need to physically, not physically, uh, spiritually be growing, yeah. uh, in, in your walk. Uh, if you can't lead yourself, then there's no way that you're going to sustainably be able to lead a ministry. And I intentionally throw that in there because we are really, really good at faking things. Yeah. Uh, the fruit of the spirit are what they are yep. because m- mimicking the fruit of the spirit is impossible without the spirit right. long-term. Right over the short term, anybody can fake love. Anybody can fake joy for a period of time, but long-term you cannot fake any of the fruit of the spirit. And so, uh, you know, having that intentional time with Jesus Uh, needs to be a priority. If you preach on a regular basis, the thing that I will add is that your sermon prep time and your own personal devotion with Jesus
1: need to be separate. That's
0: that's a non-negotiable for your own personal
1: growth. Yep. Because what happens inevitably is I know I've I've been this all of a sudden, because the two can be in reverse as well. All of a sudden now you're doing your own personal time at home you know just trying to grow on your yep. walk and all this you're like oh this could be a good sermon and so um someone told me once this is back when I was in Bible college but they said i have a rule i can't remember the exact time they use but they said i'm not allowed to use something that god speaks to me in my quiet time for at least like a month in a sermon you know Interesting. um and and that's i didn't quite remember the the hard and fast rules cuz sometimes you know the spirit just drops something on you on your heart for and, and so you can get legalistic with that but the the intention behind that was like you should be wanting to chase after Jesus because that's what you're called to do as a believer, not because you're a pastor, you know? And so like someone else asked me once, one time, um, they, they asked a question to themselves all the time is if I wasn't a pastor, how would that change my devotional time? Yeah. And that was a really interesting, you know, a question because, the correct answer should be it doesn't, you know, like whether I'm a pastor or not it shouldn't determine how I how I study, how I read, how I pray. Um and so, you know, it's one of those things there's a really good book out there called Leading on Empty by Wayne Cordero that's fantastic, but something that I would just say is like you physically can't lead on empty. If you're not growing in your walk with Jesus, you're not going to be effective in ministry. You know, at the very best and at the very worst, you know, I can't remember where it is in the gospels, but you know, what is it, what's the worth if I gain the whole world but lose my soul? That can be happening in ministry too. You you can be leading an amazing ministry, doing amazing things for the kingdom, yet be losing your soul because you're not feeding it and growing in your walk. So make that a priority uh, because as a result, the next thing that is your job is to be faithful. Right, Like, if you're not growing in your walk, it's a lot harder to be faithful. If you're not seeing the heart of the Lord and you're not growing close to Him, it's harder to be faithful in your tithe. It's harder to be faithful in your offerings. It's harder to be faithful with your time. Like holy crap, is that a tough one sometimes? Like, yeah, making sure you're stewarding your time well, not to say you can't binge Netflix or waste hours on hours and hours on, on fancy football and and, and all those types of things. But like, like you're called to be faithful with your time, especially if you're in ministry, if you're married, if you got kids, like that's a part of being faithful.
0: Yeah. The time management piece is definitely a, a consideration that needs to be there. And it's, it's only going to get harder. Like if you are, If you're single and in ministry, uh, you know, having some, and this, y'all go back to your devotional time, growing your walk, uh, starting the habits when you're single, single are going to carry you through, you know, when you are married, when you have kids, uh, you know, even for students, like starting the habits when you're a student and when you're fresh out of high school are going to carry you through Uh, Living on your own, they're going to carry you through getting married. They're going to carry you through these different uh, places, and so being faithful with your with your pattern setting uh, at at an early age is beneficial as well. Um, You know, I think that investing and developing uh, in is is that that's something that we are as Christians all called to investing and developing in other people. Um, You know, as as a youth pastor, as a youth leader. Uh, as a youth pastor, you are called to invest and develop your team. Uh, you know you have uh, people w- underneath you that are volunteering in your ministry that you need to pour into, and you need to be faithful with their time. Yep. Uh, you know, four-hour meetings every single week on top of your Wednesday nights is not a good steward of their time.
1: Nor is it planning a meeting three days before it's happening. Or, True. Th- or the day before. You yeah. Know? Like they got lives, they got kids. Like you gotta respect that.
0: Yep. And so being a good steward with the people underneath you, and whether a youth pastor or your youth leader in a ministry, the students are there to be invested in
1: and developed by you. Which is well, you yeah, right. And and I think there's a lot of ways you can invest into your students, right? We talked about uh you said that random that random piece. That 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 really resonated with me because you know, so many times you think of investing into our students means instilling this concept into their life or telling them this, this revolutionary thing that's going to change their walk or, or inspire them. And that's all part of it. But investing into your students is showing, Hey, I care about what you care about. I care enough about your sport enough to sacrifice my time because I want to be here to support you and encourage you. I want to invest into your life that way. Even youth pastors, it might not be your jam. Kyle, you and I are both sports guys. I'm not much of an anime comic kind of guy. Like that's never really been my jam. But if there's one of my students who is super into it, I'm at least going to have a conversation. I want to show like, Hey, I, I don't know anything about this. Tell me about it. Like show vetted interest in them because when you invest into them, it's showing to them, you're not out here just to just download something onto them. It's not a mission necessarily
0: yeah I had a conversation a few Sundays ago like on Sunday morning with a middle school student we talked for 45 minutes about coins coins um, like like dollar like, like like collecting coins okay yeah yep um specific like now I do have like my my grandparents gave all of me and my siblings when we were growing up we had like penny books and like nickels yep. and dimes were like, okay, you got to collect one from every year from this date to this date and things like that. Uh, but, and so since then I have like, you know, there are, there, there is a coin, uh, specific coin called an Indian head penny. It was printed from like 1856 to 1909. Sure. Like I am trying to get one from every year. It's just like a weird little yeah. quirk habit that yep. I or hobby that I have. He, that is all I know about coin collecting yep. is ba- is basically that. And so I was able to connect about 2% of what he was saying Sure, and, and he just kind of went off, but he loved it cause I was there to listen Yep, and I could offer things here or there based on my very limited knowledge on right. the subject. Right. But it was cool to connect with this kid because he was so passionate about this and you are going to see that in your students, when you start to have a conversation with them about something that they are passionate about, yep. something that they enjoy, and your goal, if your goal is not to just try to figure out a way to get this conversation back to something you like, <laughs> but you're willing to just sit in a place that's uncomfortable for you because you know they're passionate about it, uh, that is Investment. a huge win.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I think another way that you can invest and develop your students or your team or your volunteers, whatever it is, um, pray for them. You know, like I I cannot overstate this. This is something that God's been working on me even recently is like, are we praying for our students? You know, are we praying for our leaders to encounter God, to experience God? Um, And I'd follow this up with, are we um, telling them that we're praying for them? You know, because I think sometimes it can feel like, people are just going through the motions and they're just battling through life. And there's power to knowing somebody is praying for you, uh, that God is, or that you're interceding uh, for someone else. And so that's not to say like, every time you pray for somebody, say, hey, I'm praying for you because you know that you want that, like, oh, thank you. But I think there is power to physically praying for your people to develop them, to invest in them. But then at the same time, also, you know, showing them that they're not alone in that. But, uh, one thing that kind of the last little caveat here, you know, what is your job as a, as a person in ministry? Like, what are the things that you are called to do? This last one perhaps might be, uh, you know, maybe underappreciated, but needs to be overstated. And it is finding the right people. You know, so many times it feels as if, we just got to find who's available, right? Like like who who's willing to come help us out with this ministry. Sometimes you're kind of in that desperation mode, but a question I have to always ask myself when it comes to youth ministry is who is right for this area? Who is the right person for this? Um, you know, and something that um, I can kind of draw back to here is, uh, as we've said a, a few times here, I, I stepped into a lead pastor role. And so the, the big question mark for us for the last six months has been, you know, if we're going to step down and let someone else lead this ministry, who is it going to be? And so uh, hot off the press, but we actually uh, just last night had our new youth pastor come in and uh, step in and, and start, you know, leading this ministry. And uh, this person was someone who was at a different church, uh, was in a different ministry at the time. And so we actually, actually talked to the, that that person's lead pastor and said, Hey, uh, can I have this conversation? Because this was the right person for our ministry, not the one who was available. And, uh, you know, we are stoked to have him because he's going to be just amazing for our team, amazing for our students. And it's going to be just a great fit between him and I.
0: Yeah. I love it. I, this, this task for me, you know, finding the right people is, is one that is not like, that's not always the fun one because, the f- anecdote, the flip side of finding the right people is not finding the wrong people, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and so you're going to have times, uh, as a youth pastor where someone might approach you and say, Hey, I want to volunteer with your youth ministry. And for a myriad of reasons that might not be the Right. Yes. Right. It, it might not be a fit. Uh, it might not be the right answer spiritually for that person. Uh, we hinted at this last episode, it might not be the right thing legally for that person, uh, when it comes to youth or kids ministry. Uh, we hope that's not the case, but it happens from time to time. Um, you know, it might not like, it just might not be the right fit. Uh, it might not be the right timing where maybe, maybe the answer is yes, but not yet. Mm-hmm. Maybe uh, you know you'd love to have them on your team, but there's a little bit more growth that needs to happen. And so I coming up with maybe it's a process uh, for your youth ministry that can kind of safeguard you a little bit in this. Um, you know, I, I think I've talked about this on the podcast before, but when whenever somebody comes and approaches me, asking about volunteering in our youth ministry, the first step that I have any of those people go through is come and sit in on two, when on two or three Wednesday nights. Yep. And what that does is it almost creates an initial commitment, commitment that may or may not get met. I've had plenty of people that have not completed that first step. And I'm like, okay, that answers the question of whether or not you're really committed to this. Um, And, and it's, it can almost be something that weeds people out Mm -hmm. for, for better or worse, Uh, you know, because if they're not that committed before they're officially a leader, then they might not be that committed after they're officially a leader. And so coming up with things like that, where uh, it can kind of help you help guide you in this process um, because not everybody is going to be the right fit. They might see it. Uh, You know, maybe they graduated a year or two ago and they want to come back as a leader. That doesn't mean they're ready for that. Correct. Uh, They also just, maybe there's another area where you see them serving that would be an even better fit. Like our goal is not to be selfish and hoard all the best people for our ministry. We want great people, but if there's a better fit somewhere else, being willing to acknowledge that uh, is a huge sign of maturity. Oh yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and it, it, it's vital to the success of your ministry in that regard. So yeah.
0: that's that's a lot, Derek, about how we as youth pastors and youth leaders need to be operating. Yep. And so I have to imagine that with all of the stuff that we just listed, there's no time to do anything we shouldn't be doing,
1: right? I think we should, think we should wrap it up, honestly. I,
0: I think we've probably done. Because I know for me, like I never do things that I shouldn't <laughs> be doing because they're out of my control. So I, I think we can just probably yep. stop here. Well, and it, it's funny
1: you say that <laughs> because like, I think if we were legitimately honest with ourselves, we find ourselves camping in this next list way more than we do in the list we just mentioned, as extensive as it was. We've
0: got four things on here. I've probably done them all in like the last week or two.
1: Uh, I was going to say the last day or two <laughs> for me. But, um, so let, let's break it down. We'll, we'll, we'll go through these faster than we just did the ones that, that are dues. But here's other things that are not your job. These are the things that are not in your control as much as you probably wish that they were. The first one, and this might just ruffle some feathers. This might be like, what in the world? What is not your job? Number one, growing your ministry. Like that that feels so controversial to even say that because you go like, what do you mean then? Whose job is it? Um, The Lord's. Is is the simple answer. Uh, you can strategize. You can plan. You can throw tens of thousands of dollars at your ministry. You can bring in the best speaker. You can be giving away Xboxes. You can do all of these things to get people in the door. But to truly grow your ministry, to see your ministry expand from the inside out, it's gonna it's, it's gonna take God stirring the heart of your students, them having an encounter with Him, and them wanting the same for their 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 peers and their family members, whatever it might be. We can't manufacture that. We cannot manufacture the Holy Spirit moving and doing things in that way, in that capacity. So as much as you want to see your ministry grow, you don't have the power to do that. Now, that's not to say you shouldn't strategize. You shouldn't plan. There's merit to all of those things. But at the end of the day, I don't want us to be sitting here going, Man, my ministry is not growing, so what am I doing wrong? I must be failing, I must not be doing something good enough. It might just be God's not ready to move in that capacity yet, and that's okay.
0: Yeah, there's I mean, we can rack our brains all night about you know the different strategies to get more kids in the door, we can ask our senior pastors for hundreds and hundreds and thousands of dollars to spend on giveaways to get kids in the door. Uh, you know, I think that this kind of actually a lot of these things go back to our last episode. And so, you know, if you haven't listened to episode 44, hit pause, go listen to that one and then come back to this one. But, you know, getting those big numbers in the door with giveaways is personally for me, one of my least favorite ways to do it. Uh, and you know, we, if, if we are focusing, this is, you know what? this is actually kind of a hot button issue for me. Uh, I have seen youth pastors who like you, you get like maybe a summer night where you've got youth ministry going on and a lot of people are on vacation. You get into like winter, uh, you know, holiday parties happen, uh, you know, end of semester studying needs to happen. Maybe there's sickness going around and you know, you get up stay, on stage on a Wednesday night and there's fewer people there than, than yep. there usually is. Mm-hmm. And I've seen youth pastors start with like, light night, man, where is everybody?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And it immediately devalues everybody that's there. Yeah, and, and I think that that's really what this comes down to is, you know, trying to do everything you can to get more people in the door while ignoring the people you have, the students yep. that God has given you. Yep, Uh that's
1: dangerous. It's so dangerous. And and I I'm guilty of doing it. I've done it before, you know, until someone pointed that out like, man, that really just makes those who did show up feel so small. And so it's it's important. I think the enemy loves to just make us draw our success from how many people show up or come. And like, it's such a terrible metric to, to be comparing your worth to, uh, because ultimately you can't control it. And something that you said, Kyle episodes back that I thought was really, really good is what, and, and I don't want to butcher how you say it, but basically what gets them in the door is inevitably what's going to try and have to be keeping them in the door. How how'd you say yeah, that? That's butchering it, but that's yeah, fine. I, no, I, it, <laughs> right. it, I, no, I know it good.
0: That was pretty good. like, how you get kids in the door is how you have to keep them. Yeah. You know, if, if you, if you get kids with TV giveaways, you have to keep them with TV giveaways. If, if the giveaways stop, then the kids are probably going to stop coming because the reason that they are there is no longer there. That's why. And, and that's the other thing too. Like, Derek and I would love to sit here and say that every single one of our students, every single one of the adults in our church come to church because of the presence of God. Every single one of them. It's a lie, but we'd love to say it. You know, we're not naive enough to say that. And so what do they come for? You know, I tell our youth leaders that relationship needs to be Our primary focus when we meet students for the first time, building that relationship is what is going to get them to come back. Relationship is probably why they're there because a friend invited them. Somebody invited them here. The relationship's why they're there. Continuing to build those relationships is why they will keep coming and eventually... God will take over. Right. And, and we trust him to do that, but we need to be faithful and steward the relationships well that, that we have in the meantime. Which
1: goes back up to investing and developing, which Absolutely. is really, really good. Uh, number two. This, this, this one's my favorite. Th- what, can, what is not your job? Keeping students from sinning. Okay. Challenge accepted. What, what was your response?
0: Earlier? I, I said that I was going to, uh, wrap my students in bubble wrap and follow them everywhere they go. 24 <laughs> seven. Don't do that. Don't yep, do nope, that. Nope, nope. Don't touch that. Don't, don't do that. Don't look at that. Keep your head down. Yep. Keep your head down. Keep your head down. <laughs> this, this could
1: be a great sermon illustration at some point. Uh, But like this sounds so, so simple, but early on in ministry, I would see these students walk in and they're such, such good students, so much potential. God's just doing something on their heart. But then you just see them consistently choosing things that are not good for them. I'm not even talking like big things like, like sleeping around or doing drugs, like just things like, okay, like you're rock solid in your faith, but yet you're infatuated with this... Boy or this girl that you know and I know is a terrible choice for you. Like they their 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 actions are questionable at best, yet you're still choosing to surround yourself. And so like it's that type of thing where you just see these these things from your students and you go, I wish they didn't do that. And I think the trap that we get into is we start to think what can I do to keep them from doing that?
0: Yeah, I'm just going to like go confront them and tell them to their face, you need to stop doing this and right. it'll solve all the problems and there or will I'm be any negative repercussions.
1: Yeah, I'm going to preach a message on this oh, thing. that's or, a
0: classic. Yep. Yeah. Just preach directly at one student.
1: Right, yeah. And so like, it <laughs> again, it goes yes. back to, it is not your job to sanctify them. Like that is the Lord's job and you need to let him do that job. Um, it's your job youth pastor to love and care for them through it. If you know they are intentionally choosing a sinful action, the worst thing you can do is treat them differently. Like if you have that relationship, call it out on them, keeping them accountable if you have that. But if you don't love them through it, because when the Holy Spirit does inevitably smack them across the face and bring them back, uh, they'll know that you've been a loving presence the entire time.
0: Have the relationship with them where you're the one they call when they need to get bailed out. Yep.
1: Yeah, you know, of so a situation,
0: good. not necessarily of jail, although maybe of jail. So good. Uh, have that relationship with them until your relationship is deeper than that. The last,
1: the last <laughs> until, thing you want to you know. do, right? Like, you, it's such a good point. The last thing you want to do is to where they're terrified to call you because yeah. of how you're going to respond. Like yep. that, that's not a good thing. And so, um, you know, not that you're trying to condone it, but just love them through them, because I think we've all can understand sometimes you have to go through life and just go through trying it yourself. And like, that is, we can't sit here and judge them for doing that. Cause we've done the same thing. Yeah. Okay. And along the same, along the same lines, but different in the same sense, this goes back to a lot. What we were talking about last episode, youth pastor, it is not your job to make someone come to Christ you do not have that power. Now, I think there's a lot of things you can do to where it makes it very difficult. You preach fringy sermons and you preach feely good and you, and you don't talk about real concrete things. But at the end of the day, you can preach your gut out. You can give the best altar call. You can do all the salvation stuff right. You can create the right atmosphere. You can do everything right. But at the end of the day, at the end of the night, it is up to that student whether they say yes or no to Jesus. And honestly, sometimes you see them choose that no, and it can be very disheartening because you want it for them so bad. But you have to understand it's a process. It's God watering that seed and bring it up in his time. Um, And so take the pressure off yourself as if I got to get this kid saved. I got to get this kid to know the Lord. I got to do this. I get the urgency. I get the need. But at the end of the day, you don't have that power.
0: Yeah. There's really, you know, this kind of the fourth one here, but any response, not yeah. just, not just getting them saved, but any response from a student is not your responsibility. It's good. Um, you know, there there is such a thing as too many altar calls. Uh, you'll see some some pastors will disagree with that probably, but you know it's it feels forced mm-hmm. if you're if you have to guide them through every single step of it, it's probably not their decision anymore. Right. They're just t- doing what you told them to do, which isn't authentic and it's not going to lead to an you know actual life change. Uh, but but that's what you know a lot of pastors, myself included, can fall into that trap of. Uh, you know, if I just walk them through the motions, if I, if I get them to do it once, then they'll do it on a regular basis. I think that, uh, you know, really what it comes down to is that that's not going to be something that they actually replicate. Uh, we think that if we have them do it, they'll kind of learn it by repetition almost, but it's not going to, if it's not coming from their heart, then it's not going to be something that they actually want to do. And so, Correct. you know, all of this like those are all things that are out of our control at the end of the day, like you as a youth pastor need to determine what makes you successful. Yep. You as a youth pastor need to figure out based on what I can control what what is success look like for me? Just a, our last episode of season one was, you know, on celebrating wins. And I think that that kind of goes really well in this, like having hitting a number goal for, for how many students are there on a Wednesday night can be a great thing to celebrate. Right. But if all of your goals, if all of your wins have to do with attendance numbers on Wednesday nights, then you're going to miss the point. Right. And there's not going to be any depth right. to your youth ministry. And so ha- figuring out multi-layered goals, that have different points of depth, that have different ways of measuring things, uh, that's that's going to help you figure out what success is actually going
1: to look like in your job. Well, and you need to be able to have a definition of success in which you can physically accomplish, right? Like you can't say, I'm going to be successful if I grow our ministry, as you're saying, to this number, because you don't have the control of that. Right. If your measure of success is, I want to be obedient to every time God calls me to do something this year, I do it you can control that because it's it's your choice if you're going to step out in faith or step back in fear. And so like that's a definition of success that you can live by. Um, you know, did I, did I, one question I've heard a lot that I thought was super good is did I love well tonight? Did I love the best I could, whether it was 10 students or two, like did I love to the best of my ability? That is what ultimately what makes you successful. And so, The last thought I have here as we wrap this thing up is um, we aren't called to be liked, we're called to develop. Like I love, I just, you know, I I mentioned a few weeks ago that I preached out of Isaiah and in Isaiah chapter six, it's a very common verse. A lot of us have heard of Isaiah answering the call because God says, you know, who's going to go? Who's going to do this? And Isaiah goes, here am I, send me. And that's kind of where we stop the messages usually. But if you look through the rest of that context in Isaiah chapter six, Isaiah is being sent out to deliver a tough message. Isaiah is being called to go out and preach basically, hey, um, you should really like turn to the Lord or else it's going to go really bad for you. And a lot of people like, I mean, Isaiah goes out and like everybody basically like says no, like absolutely not spits in his face metaphorically, all this different stuff. Like this was not, he didn't grow the church. If anything, he shrunk it. But what he did is he found the remnant. He found the, the few people who were willing and they turned to the Lord and became powerful forces for him. So youth pastors, youth leaders, ministry leaders, you are going to have students that don't like you because you were real. You preached the message. You loved well and loved authentically, and that's okay. But our job is to love them well and develop them well, even if it means they don't like us for a season.
0: Yeah, that's key. Development is all over scripture. Second Timothy chapter two is another example of the importance of not focusing on the flashiness. Like, Isaiah, like Derek said, Isaiah definitely didn't focus on flashy. Uh, you know, even thinking, you know, the other one that comes to my mind is Jonah. After he got his head screwed on straight, he went to Nineveh and didn't preach flash and, it wasn't like repent because it wasn't turn to Jesus turn. Well, it wasn't Jesus back then, but turn to God because your life is going to be rainbows and butterflies. Right. It, it was repent. Otherwise you're going to hell and it, like that. That's just, just the good, pretty good. cut and dry. Yeah. And so Jonah was the OG, uh, you know, preaching on the milk crate on the corner of the street. And, but I think that like just the directness and, you know, with second Timothy, uh, two, two is talking about, you know, Paul charges Timothy to take what he has told Timothy and then turn around and invest it into reliable people that will then in turn teach others, you know, that, that true discipleship model, uh, that takes time and it takes relationship, but that is in your control, you know, how you choose to spend your time, uh, you know, making sure that you're praying, making sure that you are growing in your walk, all of that stuff that's in your control. Um, you know, that, and, and at the end of the day, you know, not to kind of get dark here at the end, but someday I'm standing before God yep. dead Yep. and that's what he's going to ask me about. Right. He's not going to ask me about what I wasn't able to do because it was out of my control. Yep. He's going to ask me how I stewarded my time, how I stewarded my resources when I was in charge of this ministry. So
1: good. So good.
0: Yeah. You nailed it. As usual. Yeah. Um, that uh, that just about does it for today's episode. Uh, if you have any questions for us, please reach out at hownottobeyayouthpastor at gmail.com. Uh, but as for Derek, I think I am going to go buy a ton of bubble wrap because even if I cannot use it to keep my students from sinning, it's still really fun to pop. Goodbye. Goodbye.